0: Misty and I celebrated 23 years of marriage two days ago, amen, still together, happier than ever, more in love than the first day we met, we know each other, we understand each other, we're one in the Lord, and you know, we just walk in agreement, we walk in the blessing of God, and we have strong marriages in this church. I'm just telling you, we have strong marriages in this church. Households that are strong. Households that are in order. Amen? And, and we're blessed and you're blessed. And I just love the fact that the Lord has, has done something special in our lives. That we discovered that God had a plan for our lives together. And it was by His grace that we worked through all the selfish issues. And we became one in Christ. Amen? And we have the best marriage on the planet. And um, I just love my wife with all my heart. It just keeps getting better. Amen. How many days, babe? 8,397. That's where we're at right now. It's a lot of days. Yeah, we had a great adventure yesterday. Yesterday, there was urinal issues in the men's toilet that we had to fix. We had to get the septic tank pumped, you know. It was a shitty day yesterday. But somebody had to do it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's the first day, you know, of 2023, day one. And sometimes it just hits the fan. You know what I mean? You just got to deal with it as it comes. (laughs) But we had a lot of fun doing it, right? Even in the stinky stuff, we have fun. You know what I'm saying? And then... You know, it wasn't, what, three, four, maybe four o'clock yesterday afternoon. Somebody texts us and says, pastors, we love you. Happy anniversary. Um, I want you to go out and celebrate with your wife and have the best night on the town. Can I sell you some money? So I said, sure. $500 later, I'm like, where do you go in town to celebrate with $500? This is next level celebration. So I've got some plans to spend 500 on my wife and I just to party and have fun. Amen. Isn't it great when God just blesses you? Yep. So look at somebody and say, expect the blessing even on a shitty day. <laughs> we need a t-shirt. Expect a blessing. And with a poop emoji day. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'll go here too. So we went to, oh, God, why? I'm from Africa, okay? South Africa is ruled by the British, right? So we grew up prim and proper. You don't burp at the table. You don't fart at the table. You eat with a knife and fork, you don't eat with your fingers. You don't just eat with a fork. You eat with a knife and a fork. And there is cut, cutlery etiquette that you have to know. There's a certain way you sit at the table, there's a certain way you fold your napkin, there's a certain way you put your knife and fork when you're done eating. This is Africa, just helping you. Definitely not America. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's just all these prim and proper things that you have to do. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that is not proper. The way you talk, the way you walk, the way you have to greet people. Nobody walks by you. It's, it's hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. You open the doors for women. You, uh, you, you are courteous. You are helpful. You're kind. There are all these different things that you have to learn. When I went to school, I had to wear uh, we call them smart shoes. You would call them dress shoes. We, 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 we wore suits to school. We had pants. Uh, we had belts. We had shirts tucked in, collared shirts. We had to wear a tie. You had to wear a jersey with a blazer. Everything had to be ironed. Your hair couldn't touch your eyebrows, your ears, or your collar. My mother was a hairstylist. She had a salon. I was always in trouble. Doing new things to my hair that were not allowed by the school system. And then I came to America. And I met the South, southern ghetto American wild woman from the West. And everything that was prim and proper in my life was offended. It was broken, it was smashed. At the dinner table, you do not talk about blood, you do not talk about guts. You do not share surgery stories. You don't share woman, female part, and uterus stories at the dinner table. This is not proper. And I am a pastor. Do you not understand? I am a holy man of God. These things are not proper. Let me tell you something, man. Did my prim and properness get smashed over the years? And then yesterday, we went to a baby shower. The games that they play are inappropriate. And I I raised my hand to play, but I did not know what was coming. And so I will say shitty day from now on. And not worry about it. Amen. Look at the person next to you, say, We're going to be real and we're going to enjoy life. We're not going to be religious. We're not going to be stuck up and pretend like we're great. Out the window. Amen. Look at the person next to you, tell them, Jesus is alive. Slap him high five. So I had to go through a lot with my marriage in learning the American way. Amen. But I am a happier man nowadays. I'm way happier than the stuck-up British guy I came here being. Hallelujah. All right, that was fun. Uh, It is uh, James Horn's birthday this week, my father-in-law. We won't tell you how old he is. He's just a man of wisdom. Amen. But he'll be retiring this year, and he's going to be coming home and they're going to be with the family a lot more, and so we're very excited about that. Amen. Who else is having a birthday this week or this month? Come on, give them a big round of applause. Happy birthday to y'all. <laughs> woop, woop, woop. Anniversary. Whose anniversary? How many years? How many? Woo! Five years. Come on, man faith. Five years. Yeah. Any other anniversaries? How many we got? Come on, twenty-seven years. How many? Two years. Going strong. Tonka Maritza, what we got? Ah All right, Tonka Maritza take the Whoa whoa. Sixty-three years. Drop the mic. Forty-eight years. That's awesome. Isn't that exciting? Fred and Carrie, how many? 46 years. We've got some strong marriages around here, amen? You see, when you've got God in your life, you can overcome the storms together. Even the prim and properness of the British can be overcome if you have Jesus in your life. So, yeah, the Lord knew what I needed, but the Lord also knew what she needed. Amen. We saved each other. (laughs) So when we were in South Africa, let's tell some more stories. So we're in South Africa, right? We went to Boulder's Beach, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what Misty said to me or something, and I just got irritated with her. Oh, this is what it was. We were going to the showers to wash our feet, and sh- I was in the way or she was in the way or something, and I got salty with her or whatever the case may be, right? So then I moved out of the way so she could wash her feet. I got sand all over my feet again. So I sat on the rock wall and waited for her to finish. Well, she walked up to me with a towel, and she says, my Lord, <laughs> let me clean your feet for you, my Lord. So I said, get away from me. I don't want you to clean and dry my feet right now. So she bows down and she kisses my feet and she starts, she starts wiping it with a towel. And there's this foreign guy standing right there watching this whole thing go down, right? And he looked over and me and says, I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> Too much fun. <laughs> Ah, okay, let's try to reel this back in. Ah, well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank you, Father, that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between the soul, the spirit, the joint, the marrow, and it goes right in to the intentions, the thoughts of the heart. And Father, I ask that your word would come alive on the inside of us today. And that you would transform us in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get an amen? Amen. So the Lord has really put it strong in my heart this month to talk about building our lives on a solid foundation. If you would, open your Bibles with me and go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. And it says, anyone who listens to my teaching, Jesus speaking, and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse. Why? Because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse. With a mighty crash. And so this is very foundational. As we as followers of Christ. We as children of God. We who believe in Jesus Christ. There is a specific way that God expects us to build our lives. We're supposed to build our lives on his teaching. Look at somebody and say as a Christian. As a follower of Christ. You have been commanded. To build your life. On the teachings of Christ. If we're going to call ourselves disciples, if we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, that means we have to learn from Him and do what He does. People wear those bracelets. What would Jesus do? Amen. And that is a reminder every single day that we're supposed to live according to the teachings and the principles found in the Word of God. If we want to have solid lives that can weather any storm, Jesus didn't say, if the storm comes. Jesus said, when the storm comes. That means life guarantees that you will face storms, you will face trials, you will face circumstances that are out of your control. But Jesus makes a promise to you, and He says, when you face the storm, if you will build it on what I teach you, your life will be solid, and your life will weather every storm that it faces. Can I get an amen? And so, what you have to understand is that in life, there is a world system. You're not really fighting the devil. You are, you are standing against a system that is anti-God. The devil's not fighting you personally. He has a system. He has a structure. And he wants to pull you into that system. And what God wants to do is He wants to take you out of the world system and He wants to put you in the kingdom's way of doing things. That's why Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, let's go there. Romans 12, probably one of my favorite scriptures, portions of scripture. It says, and dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I beg you, give your bodies to God. He's not just talking your soul. He's not talking your spirit. He's saying give your body to God. Give Him your hands, give Him your feet, give Him your mouth. Everybody say, my body. See, your body is the temple of God. And God wants this body to be separated from the things in the world. He wants it holy. He wants to use this body to do His will. Not allowing you to use your body to do the enemy's will. Can I get an amen? The devil has a plan for you, but God has a plan for you. And it says here, Give your bodies to God because why all for all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How many of you want to know what true worship looks like? We think it's up here raising our hands crying while we sing hallelujah. It says this is the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Look at somebody and say, do not copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Find somebody else, tell them, do not copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Say, I will not use my body to copy the behavior and the customs of the world. He says, but what let God transform you? into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so when you're starting to follow Jesus, there has to be proof that you're following Him. You see, coming to the altar and praying a prayer and saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. And you make a decision that you are the Son of God. You are the Christ. And you believe in who He is, that He died for your sin and that you're going to follow Him. That means there has to be characteristics in your life that prove that you're following Jesus. John the Baptist warned those that were coming to be baptized. He said, who warned you of God's coming wrath? Who is it that warned you? He says, you got to prove by the way that you live that you've repented. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Coming to the altar and praying a prayer, but then not... Changing your lifestyle holds no value. You have to change the way you think. That's why we have to study the Word of God. We have to relearn how to do some things. When I moved from South Africa to America, I had to relearn things. You don't drive on the left side of the road. You drive on the right side of the road. If I came over here and said, well, I'm not learning American culture and American custom, I'm just going to go with the British custom that I grew up with. Five people would have died, including myself that day. Journey over. And so there are customs and patterns that we grow up with in American culture that we think is right. But they're against the word of God. I'll give you an example. Growing up in South Africa, I grew up in a time of segregation where white people and black people did not live in the same communities. There were white toilets. There were black toilets. There were white schools. There were black schools. Everything was segregated. Everything was separated by law. And so I grew up in a culture that taught me these things were right. Are they right? No, they're not right. Did I know? No, I just grew up in it thinking that this is the way it is. And you grow up in American culture thinking that certain things are just normal and are correct. But when you read the Word of God, you discover they're not correct. Amen? And so we cannot allow the, the customs and the patterns of the world system to rule in our lives. We have to transform in our thinking and we have to change our ways to line up with the Word of God. And when we transform our lives to do this... No matter what we face, Jesus guarantees that we'll stand through it. Who wants a solid life? Then we have to build it on the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Look at somebody and tell them to their faces, if you want a solid life, build it on the Word of God. Find somebody tell them, if you want a solid life, build it on the Word of God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, or you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I'll read this and then talk. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. Everybody say, my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth or bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And then he sternly warned them not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So here Jesus is saying that he will build his church. Everybody say his church. The church, the word church is ecclesia, the called out ones. Or, and it refers to a group of people. Look at the person next to you and tell him, you are the church. Whenever the Bible spoke about the word church, it never spoke about a building, but it spoke about the people. If you read the Bible, when they spoke about the building, they would call it the temple. They would call it the synagogue. But when you read them saying the church, they were talking about the people that actually went to the temple. They were the people that were followers of Christ. Say, I am the church. The word church isn't special. It's just a group of people that gather together for a specific purpose. But what makes the church special is Jesus says, they're my people. Jesus makes us special. Can I get an amen? Why? Because He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He died for us. He delivered us from sin, and He brought us back into relationship with God. And Jesus is working to purify His bride. He's coming back for a church, a group of people, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. They're going to be a glorious church when He returns. Can I get an amen? And Jesus loves you. Jesus protects you. Jesus watches over you. Why? Because you belong to Him. And Jesus said, those who belong to me obey me and they follow my commandments. And my commandments are not burdensome or grievous. You know, when you love somebody and they ask you to do something, you don't do it with an attitude. You do it with a good heart. If my wife asks me to do something for her, baby, will you please da-da-da-da-da? And I'm like, No, do it yourself. It's not going to be a happy day. Not in our marriage. Amen? And what about our marriage to Christ? When God asks His bride to do something, what is your attitude when you read the Bible? Is it like, Jesus, you're putting all these rules on me? It's such a burden to serve you. But He's saying, when you love me, it's a pleasure to serve me. You'll do it with a good heart. Amen? Amen? And so God wants us, everything that we do, God wants our obedience to come from a place of love. I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Why? Because I belong to you. Because you delivered me from sin. Because you gave me your name. Because you gave me every spiritual blessing available in the heavenly realms. You delivered me from sin. You delivered me from my torment. You healed me. You provide for me. Anything that I need, you are there for me, Lord God. Amen. And when we get the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we become solid. Look at the person next to you and say, who is Jesus to you? Is he a prophet? Is he a guy that dies every Easter? Is he born every Christmas? Who is he? Is he in a tomb? Is he a baby in a manger? Is he a carpenter's son? Is he from that little town called Nazareth? We know who your parents are. You're just the prophet. Or is He really the Son of God? And I'm telling you, family, that you can read the Bible and you can know about who Jesus is. But there comes a day when you hear from heaven and the heavenly Father says, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And when you hear from God the Father that Jesus is His Son, it changes your whole perspective of who Jesus is. Look at the person next to you and say, You need to get some revelation in your life. Say a revelation. The word Simon, I believe the word Simon means leaf. The word Peter means rock. And God wants to take you from being something that's blown around by every wind of doctrine. And he wants to make you solid. He wants to make you solid where you understand the purpose of church. You understand the purpose of following Jesus Christ. You understand that it's more than coming to a building on a Sunday morning. You understand that it's more than just giving money in an offering, that it's something you do on the weekend or on a Wednesday night. This is not a weekend thing that you do like going to a restaurant or this is becomes a lifestyle. This becomes a new way of living. Can I get an amen? And God is looking for you to change your lifestyle, that you no longer look like the world, but now you look like children of God. And It is a difference between people who blend into the world and who compromise and those who are separated as children of light and shine bright. Even as Pastor Selena was talking this morning, she said, going to South Africa, our lifestyle looked different than, the, than the, what they've ever seen before. Why? Because they saw something different in them. And if we are just going to be like darkness, if we're going to compromise, if we're not going to be salt and light, how are we going to make an impact? I get an amen look at the person next to you and say God wants to use you the Bible says that the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of ministry that means every person in this building has a ministry look at the person next to you and tell him did you know you're being equipped for your ministry No, ministry is for the guy who stands on the stage. But according to the Bible, the book of Ephesians says you're being equipped for your ministry. And you become a minister everywhere you go as a minister of the gospel. You are the light in a dark place and you are the salt in the earth and you are preserving things. Can I get an amen? You are revealing things. You are revealing God's goodness to the world around you. And when they see you, they want what you have. Do the people at your workplace and the people that you hang around know who you are, that you serve the Lord? Is there a difference between you and the company that you work for? I'm a a secret agent Christian. I hide in the closet. Well, you need to come out of the closet already. Can I get an amen? But people won't like me. Welcome to the club. They didn't like Jesus. They're not going to like you. But how long is it going to take you before you wear that coat without shame? How long is it going to take you before you come to the place where you say, you know what? I'm not ashamed of this gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power that saved me and it is the power that can save you. I remember when G, you know, we're highlighting you today. I don't know, all day. I remember when she first came. To the church and she was believing God to get a job in the police department with a CSI department. I'm like, CSI, yeah. Woo! And she made the decision that she was going to be salt and light in that place. And she took a beating. I remember her coming saying, man, this is rough. But you know what? Many people don't want to go into an environment and they're ashamed of who they are and they won't stand for what they believe. Amen? Amen. But in secret, later, people will start coming to you and needing prayer. When people are in trouble, they'll know who to come to. Amen? In the face of other people, they'll mock you, they'll criticize you. And Jesus said, your reward in heaven will be great when people persecute you and mock you. So it's no different than our Savior. Can I get an amen? But if you're not taking persecution and you're not being knocked, that means you're not actually standing up and being who God has called you to be. Why? Because you're afraid of being rejected by man. I want people to like me. And when we want people to like us, we'll compromise. Why? Because we prefer to get approval from people than from God. And Misty says, and people will stab you in the back anyway. They're still going to talk about you behind your back. So put your coat on and be who God has called you to be. And don't be ashamed to tell the truth and stand for truth. Can I get an amen? The world doesn't care to go on Facebook and social media and walk with their flags and with their, with their slogans and with what they're supporting and what they're doing. They do it with pride and they let it all hang out. Can I get an amen? And so we need to do it with pride too. And not be ashamed to stand up for righteousness and the righteous things, amen? Is that funny, Miss Kim? Go ahead, just let it out. Don't hold it in. You could rupture something. And then we have to pray for healing. First Peter 1.23. The Bible says that we being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You have been born again. Say, I have been born again. Look at someone and tell them, you have been born again. With incorruptible seed. This seed is the seed of Christ. It is incorruptible. That means it is not GMO seed. It is not altered seed. It is not seed that can be compromised. The seed that you have received is the seed of Christ. And when that seed gets rooted and grounded in your life, and it grows into the love of God, you become something that cannot be moved or shaken. Because you are secure in God's love. The Bible says, let your roots grow down into God's love. Become rooted and grounded in His love. Become established in His love. You'll become secure as a child of God. Say, I am born of incorruptible seed. The world wants you to let go of that seed. Uh, James, myself, and Misty, We went up to Tampa to Pastor Rodney's church this week and we went and toured Eden. Eden is a five-acre piece of property that they've taken and they put greenhouses on and they've developed into a garden where they are growing stuff supernaturally. What do you mean supernaturally? Things grow there quicker than they grow anywhere else. They have one tree. This guy who's overseeing the project, he was telling us, that he had some of uh, Florida's uh, orange grove farmers coming to him to ask him, how do you get your citrus trees to produce fruit every month? Say there is a river with a tree of life where it produces fruit, new fruit, every month. God wants to find fruit on your tree all the time. Can I get an amen? Always bearing fruit. Not just in the summer. Not just in the spring and the summer. But all the time. And so he says he speaks to his trees. Commands them. Just like Jesus commanded the fig tree to shrivel up and die. He speaks to his orange tree and his lemon tree. And he says, you will produce fruit every month. And guess what? Those trees are producing fruit every single month. And so... He's telling us stuff that we don't even comprehend yet, but they have these, these metal roof, these things that are use for metal roofing with the, tr- with the little rows in them, and they fill it with just some rock and some water, and they scatter seed on top of it, and they connect that metal sheeting to the earth, and there's actually energy that comes from the earth that causes those seeds to germinate. Say there's power in the ground to germinate the seed. When you get the anointing on the Word of God, it germinates. Can I get an amen? Look at the person next to you. Say, we're about to get the power of God, the presence of God on the Word of God, and it's going to germinate, it's going to spring up, and it's going to produce fruit in our lives. And so, in in the book of Revelation, it says that these trees that are planted by the river of life, their leaves are used to heal the nations. Look at somebody and say, the healing is in the leaf. And so they did tests on the stem and the leaf. And there is more nutrients in the stem and the leaf in the first 14 days of its life than in the fruit. Look at somebody and say, microgreens. In that plant that is two weeks old, there's more nutrients in that than eating He said if we would take some of the the, the crop, freeze-dry it, and put it in capsule form, there's more nutrients in one capsule of microgreens than seven heads of lettuce. And I'm just sitting there watching this whole thing go down. And I realize that sometimes we're working too hard to grow up in the things of God. If we will just discover God's way of doing things and click into it, we'll grow at a faster pace. Can I get an amen? Look at the person next to you say, we're about to see the power of God come upon the seed. Spring up, take root, and produce fruit quickly in Jesus' name. It's all about the seed. Look at somebody and tell them, it's all about the seed. And, you know, the enemy doesn't want you to hold on to the seed. He doesn't want you to hold on to Jesus. He doesn't want you to hold on to your salvation. He wants you to believe that God doesn't love you and that this stuff doesn't work. And if He can deceive you and get you to stop believing in what the Word of God has to say and who Jesus is, He can pull you away from everything that God has for you. And it's time for us to get rooted. It's time for us to get grounded. It's time for us to stop compromising. It's time for us to get a pillar of fire before us and a cloud of God's glory above us, walking in the fear of God every single day. Can I get an amen? that we're going to live righteous, we're going to live holy. Righteousness and holiness is not legalism. It's not legalism. It is a choice that you make, that you love God and you're going to live differently. We're not forcing anything down your throat. We're not making you do anything. It is your choice. But if you love God, then you'll obey His commandments. If you love God, then you'll say no to the sin and you'll say yes to living righteous before God. But family, if we don't keep this before us, if we don't write it on the tablets of our heart and guard our hearts, if we don't take a stand and say no more compromise, if we don't say, you know what, I'm going to live pure and holy every single day. I'm going to wake up every morning. I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to follow Jesus today. In this decision, I'm going to follow Jesus. When that thing hits me, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm not going to compromise and get into my flesh because every time I make a decision from the flesh, it's going to cost me. You lose, you lose it, it's going to cost you. Every decision you make has a consequence. Some of those decisions you make, the consequence isn't severe. It's going to cost you money. How many of you have made some bad decision? It costs you some money. How many of you is it still costing you some money? There's some decisions you get through quickly. You overcome real quickly, but then there's other decisions That will stay with you the rest of your life. And there are other decisions that you can make that will actually take you out of this life. Don't tell me God doesn't take your decisions seriously. Your decisions and your lifestyle is important to God. And the enemy wants you to think that you can just get a grace card to sin and live any way you want and it's going to be fine with God. Don't worry, God will love you. That's a teaching going around in the body of Christ. It's hyper grace where you can live any way you want and then Sunday come to the altar and just ask God to forgive you and it's all good. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not how God expects you to live. You don't go around living to please yourself and sin every day and then Sunday show up and say, oh, God, fix me. Oh, God has to fix me. Why? Because Jesus died for me and the blood will do it. You are treading on dangerous ground. Can I get an amen? Let me read you a couple of scriptures. If it was okay with God, then we wouldn't read scriptures like this in the Bible. Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 19. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. You could fall away from the living God. By the condition of your heart. Look at the person next to you and say, God, your heart. It says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by this deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm till the end. Look at somebody and say, you have to hold Your original confidence in Christ firmly till the end. It's not enough to believe yesterday, you have to believe today. Why? Because faith is right now. Are you living, believing God right now? Or are you saying, well, 20 years ago I used to live and believe God? Look at somebody and tell them faith is now. It says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? I'm here to tell you that you can come to the altar, you can pray a prayer. You can show up to church, you can even serve in the different areas of ministry. We can take you out of captivity in Egypt and lead you into the wilderness. But when it comes time to worship, are you like Moses on the top of the mountain, living by the commandments, worshiping God, or are you building idols at the bottom of the mountain? Just because you're saved doesn't mean your heart is changed. There has to be a transformation in your thinking. These Israelites that came out of Egypt saw signs and wonders. They saw ten plagues hit Egypt. It didn't touch them. It took Egypt out. When they left Egypt, they left with all the gold. They went to the Egyptians and said, give us all your gold. And they gave them all their gold. Stripped Egypt of all their wealth. They left Egypt wealthy. The Bible says that their clothing did not wear out. The Bible says there was not one sick or feeble among them. God healed every single one of them from every issue and every problem so that they could leave Egypt. When they crossed the Red Sea, they saw their enemy destroyed. They saw a pillar of fire. They saw a cloud. They saw manna. They saw quail. They saw water get turned from bitterness to being drinkable. They watched God do miracles. And when they got to the mountain, they made a decision to take the gold. Instead of building a temple and worshiping God with it, they built an idol. Why? Because just seeing miracles and seeing God do things doesn't change your heart. You have to get a revelation on the inside. God has to take out the stony, stubborn heart, and He has to change you and transform you. And We don't want to read the Bible for information. We want to read the Bible for transformation. I can stand up here and quote scripture, and I can look fancy. I can wear my fancy jacket, and I can quote scripture. I can let it roll off my tongue. I can infuse a little uh, charisma behind it. And I can make you think, wow, this guy is really spiritual. He really knows what he's talking about. Wow. But what good is it to use the Word of God just to show off? Three-year-olds can quote scripture. They can. But is the scripture changing you? Is the scripture transforming you? When you read it, do you tap into what your heavenly father is saying about that scripture? Does that seed, does that word from God spring to life and bring transformation on the inside of you? Family, that's what we're going after. Look at somebody and say, we're going after transformation, not information. Just like Peter stood there. And when asked the question, who do men say that I am? Peter heard from his father in heaven, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'm telling you, the minute that we start getting revelation, that we're not just reading the Bible and getting the seed, but the anointing and the presence and the power of God is coming upon that seed, causing that seed to burst forth and break into life on the inside of you. That's where you begin to change. Look at somebody and say, that's where I change. When the Word comes alive on the inside of me. Who's had revelation before? Who knows what I'm talking about? You're reading something, you've never you read it, and then suddenly, wham! I've never seen that before. Did you see that? It was in the Bible. Woo! Baby, did you see this? And then they share something with you, and it doesn't make any sense to you. Like, What are they talking about? But they're excited about it. Why? Because it's alive in them. And that's what God wants to do in your heart every single day. God wants to come alive. There must be living word, not dead seed. Look at somebody and say, I don't need dead scriptures in my head. I need living word in my heart. And that's what Jesus said. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this is how God wants us to live. God wants us to live in relationship with him where we hear Him speak to us, and we obey Him. Can I get an amen? There's two areas of sin that has to change in our lives. Look at the person next to you and say, there's two areas. The outside and the inside. It's one thing to say, you know what, I'm not going to get drunk anymore. I'm not going to get high anymore. I'm not going to sleep around anymore. I'm not going to cheat on my wife anymore. I'm not going to lie anymore i'm not going to steal anymore that's the physical that's the outward and you can walk away from those things but then jesus says if you thought it in your heart you've already committed it and there's two two areas god wants you to clean first he wants you to clean the outside and say walk away from those practices but then once you walk away from the practices god wants to start cleansing the inside of you where you no longer think about those things anymore You see, they walked out of Egypt. They left captivity in Egypt being slave-driven every single day. But just because they weren't in that environment practicing the things they did, it hadn't changed in their hearts yet. And you can be saved, but your mind can still be stuck in your old life. You could have prayed that prayer at the altar, but you're still trapped in the prison of your mind. What was done to you? What was said to you? What was taken from you? And God wants to set the heart free Well, you're no longer living back there. You're living in Him and seeing what He has for you in the future. No longer, every time God wants to do something in your life, you're held back by these invisible things that happened to you 5 and 10 and 20 years ago. God wants to set the heart free so that you're quick to obey Him and to follow Him in the things that He wants to do through your life. Can I get an amen? Say, I'm building on a solid foundation. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul said, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So that means every one of us has to bring our bodies in subjection to our spirit man. And our spirit man has to be subject to the Word of God. And if your spirit man doesn't rule your soul and rule your body then your body will just be in control. Look at somebody and tell them, you got to take control of your body. <laughs> Find somebody and i tell them, you are responsible for taking control of your body. You are responsible for taking control of that tongue of yours. It just came out of my mouth. Well, you better bridle that tongue because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what you speak, you create, whether you believe it or not. You are creating the world that you will live in. You are creating the world your children will live in. You will just be like your father. You'll never change. You're just like your mother. What are we doing? We are framing the world our kids will live in. We are framing our financial picture. We're framing our marriage through the words we speak, say, it's my responsibility to take control over my body. Say, when you get the Holy Ghost, you get this fruit of the Spirit called self-control. See, God's not expecting you to do it by yourself. He wants to help you. Romans eleven nineteen through 22, and I'm almost done. It says, then you will say, branches were broken off so that they might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will He spare you. Note note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness towards you. That's those people who live in faith. Provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. Look at somebody and say, once saved, not always saved. See, there's this teaching going around in the body of Christ that once you're saved, you can live any way you want. And that's it. You're good. You're golden. You're Gucci. Look at somebody and tell them, you can't live wrong and die right. James five nineteen through twenty says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Revelation three eleven I am coming soon, Jesus speaking. Hold fast what you have. So that no one may seize your crown. I would not want to get to heaven and lose my rewards. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So family, it's very important to understand. My wife and I have a responsibility. We have 23 years of marriage. Some have double that in this room. Amen. Some have triple that. But my wife and I have to lead by example. If we do it, then you think you can do it. And your leaders have to hold a certain standard. And you got to watch the company you keep. Because what you sit under, what you come under... You are going to start doing what they do. My wife says it all the time. People are like elevators. They're taking you up or they're bringing you down. You cannot hang around the world and not become like the world. Can I get an amen? And so it's important who you hang around. It's important who you listen to. And we hold a standard of purity at Pure Church. Look at someone say, standard is purity. And so we're not, We're not saying, oh, it's okay, you can get high three days out of the week now. You can get drunk at least two days. No, we're saying, come under purity. Work your way to that standard, amen? Make a decision that I am stripping off the old nature, the sinful nature that's being corrupted. And I'm putting on my new nature in Christ Jesus. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in grace. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to speak life. Can I get an amen? I am changing my lifestyle. I will not be like the world. I'm going to be different. And every person has to take responsibility for their lives. We can preach the Word. We can lead you to the water. You can hang around a company of people that are living right. But when you go home, what are you doing? What are you doing when nobody's watching? What are you listening to? What are you saying? Is your character the same on a Sunday morning when you're in front of the church and when you're at home at night alone? And there cannot be a separation between who you are today and who you are in the dark you got to be the same person. Can I get an amen? That's why Missy and I don't wear masks. We don't have two faces. We're real. Here, what you get here is what you get when we're at home, when we're working, no matter where we go. Can I get an amen? We do not practice sin. I don't wake up in the morning saying, oh, everybody sins. We're all sinners. We all sin. I don't wake up in the morning planning on sinning. I don't have sin concept. I have a righteousness heart, and I think righteousness, and I walk in righteousness. I don't think sin. Can I get an amen? I have been delivered from sin. I have been set free from sin. My mind is not thinking on sinful things. I'm not thinking how I can cheat on my wife today, who I can lie to, who I can steal from. That is not on the top of my list. I cannot wait till I get home so I can get drunk tonight. I can't wait to go watch porn. It's going to be epic. While I'm driving, let's go for it. And if your heart has been taken captive by something that you cannot be set free from, then you need to come to the altar and cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, deliver me from captivity, from bondage, so that I can live free from sin. Can I get an amen? You cannot make excuses because there's the power of God to set the captive free. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get thank you, Jesus? Now I'll say this in closing. Most people don't deal with gross sin problems, but what people deal with is doubt and unbelief. You struggle in your mind, and that's just as much sin. That internal dialogue that you have going on, that attitude that you have towards people, that, did I say attitude? Attitude that you have towards people, that, that urgh, on the inside of you that's there, that's going to come out. That fear that you carry that you're not going to make it, that things are going to go wrong, that your kids are going to die, that you're going to get fired, that you'll never have enough. That, that thing that's in there that plays 24-7 to torment you, you've got to get rid of that thing you got to bring that ugly, stinky pattern of thinking to the altar and say, today is the day that I am done with you. You don't live in my heart. You have no place in my heart. You're not going to tell me who I am. I belong to Jesus Christ, and if I'll come to Him, He will set the captive free. And you got to make a decision that your heart is going to be pure, that on the inside of you, you're not going to struggle with these things anymore. Say, I'm not struggling anymore. That thing is going to die today. Not tomorrow, tomorrow. right now. There's this quote by uh, Pastor George Banoff. He says this, he said, if you're waiting to die to be free from sin, then death is your Savior, not Jesus. If you're waiting to die to be free from your torment, then death is your Savior, not Jesus. And there are people that are afraid of death, actually. And that is a fear that Jesus wants to set you free from even today. You're afraid of dying, Jesus wants to set you free. I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. Father, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and scan our hearts. Lord, that if there's anything in my heart, say that if, Lord, is there anything in my thinking, in my heart, my patterns of thinking? My attitudes that I'm bound in, I ask you to set me free. reveal it to me. Show me the enemy in my soul so I can be free from it. I want to be free from torment. I want to be free from my mistakes, from my shame, my guilt, from pain in my physical body from mistakes that I've made. I want my heart free to worship without interference. Lord, I ask this morning that you would just show us where the enemy has taken areas of our thinking captive, where the world has crept in and we've compromised. Lord, I ask that the fire of God would burn today. Lord, I ask that the hammer of the word would break hard hearts. Lord, I ask that you would come and deliver those that have been taken captive in their thinking. Father, I pray today that those who have physical things they cannot walk away from, things that they've been bound to, God, that you would set them free today. Father, those that don't have hope for the future, that you would break hopelessness today. Father, those that are here whose hearts have been crushed, who face difficult circumstances in their life, Father, that you would deliver them from that captivity and that you would give them a brand new hope today. I want everybody to lift your hands to the Lord, raise them up, and say this, say, Heavenly Father, I stand before you today and I believe that Jesus Christ is your Son. He came to this earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life in obedience to you. He laid down his life and he died. He paid the price for my sin. He became a curse so that I could become the righteousness of God. And I thank you, God, that you didn't leave him in the grave, but you raised him from the dead. And Jesus Christ is a risen Lord and Savior, and I believe in Him, and I put my trust in Him. Not only did He raise from the dead, but He was ascended, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority and power and all things under His feet. And my life is hidden in Christ, in God, above principalities, powers, sickness, disease, circumstances, all these things are under my feet. And I am and I belong to Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my deliverer. He is my provider. He is my healer. He's everything that I need. And Lord, from this day forward, I live for you. And lead me, guide me, teach me, show me the way I should live. Now, if you're standing here and you've got stuff that you need to let go of, I want you to lift your hands high. And I want you to say this to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm done with this. And talk to him right now. Whatever it is you're done with, you let him know, I'm done with this. I'm done with the compromise. I'm done with the fear. I'm done with whatever it is, the addiction. Say, I'm done with it. No more. I make a decision. This no longer has place in my life. Say, Lord, I lay it down today. Say, I lay it down. Say, I'm above this. I have authority over this. And I take my body into captivity. I take control of my mind, my body, my tongue. This is a holy temple that will live for God, that will do the work of God. So you've got to make that decision in your heart. And then not only make the decision, but then go live the decision. So, Father, right now, I thank you for the anointing, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. And we bind The strong man, now, in the name of Jesus. You have no authority. Every thought, we take it captive now, and we bring it into subjection. You've got to take that thought captive, and you've got to put it under your feet. You've got to disconnect with that thing. It doesn't have power over you. It doesn't have authority over you. You have authority over it. You draw your authority from Jesus and your position in Christ because you're seated together with Him in heavenly places. See, family, I can lay my hand on you and pray for you one on one, and that's fine. But you can walk out the door and pick it up again. And what you have to learn to do is, as a child of God, you have to learn how to take these things captive, bring them under your feet, and walk in the authority that you have been given as a child of the Most High God. Say, I take it captive. And I put it under my feet. Because I am victorious in Christ Jesus. My eyes, so much more. I saw the scene shatter. The moment you came down and hit the floor, I feel you're